Well, I tell you what, we're glad you're here tonight. One thing I want to share with you that uh, I'd love for you to be praying about. It tomorrow I should be meeting with the parking lot man who's built our parking lots, and uh, we're looking at enlarging our parking lot because the last few Sundays, about last three, four Sundays, there's no more parking places, so we're ready to expand. So y'all be praying as we get ready to meet with him tomorrow and make some more parking spaces for you, okay? So y'all pray for that. Y'all pray for that? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. There's something real special I want to share with you tonight. The Holy Spirit took me on a little journey just this afternoon. Proverbs chapter 13. And, and this, I just believe this is going to bless you as we get into the message because it all ties together as we've been studying on wisdom. Now, I want to just also remind you, I believe uh, it's next Wednesday. We're having our missionary from Africa here. And if you've never heard Brother Egon, you're going to love him. He's Swedish-born, but had been Africa for almost 30 years. And he's going to be with us next Wednesday. So we want to make sure we encourage everybody to be here for that. And that will be a blessing. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 19. And I want you to see this. This is the New King James Bible. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. I want you to look at that first part. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Now, as you get ready to take notes tonight, I want to read out the lexicon. It would be number 1961. And I want to give you the definition of this word accomplished. Because a lot, lot of times, you know, we've been telling you it's not about a matter of wanting long life or wanting finances or wanting this, uh, a needing. It's, a, it's about valuing what God wants to give us. And what's interesting is we hear this all the time. The Lord's going to give you the desires of your heart and we see the desire accomplished. And, and, but it goes deeper than our desire. Of all things, that word accomplished is the word for Jehovah or Yahweh. And, 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 and this is something to get a hold of here. This just this was just like a wow moment with the Holy Spirit this afternoon as I looked this up, and you can look it up too. It's talking about the word Proverbs. I don't know if I gave you the definition. The word Proverbs means to be like. That's what the name Proverbs mean, to be like. And what we find here is a desire accomplished is sweetness to the soul. And that word accomplished means Yahweh or I am that I am. And that desire accomplished means, like Proverbs, I desire to grow into the image and the likeness of Yahweh. And when Yahweh said, Jehovah God said, I am that I am, or he also was saying, I am who I will be. Proverbs is that accomplishment in the spirit that we will be as he is, to be like Christ. Now, there's something very interesting. Not only is that word there, accomplished, means to be like Yahweh, but it's also translated into the Greek in Revelations chapter 3. That where it says, Jesus says about Christ, he who was, he who is, and he will always be. And that's that same word accomplished. Jesus was the Christ. He was the Christ. He is the Christ. And he will forever be the Christ. And what Proverbs and the wisdom of God wants to do in you and I is that 
we were saved, we are saved, and we are being saved. We were delivered, we are delivered, and we shall be delivered. It, it is to be so much like God, to grow into His image. And so that's why He's talking about the desire to be like God. The desire to act like God. The desire to speak like God. And that's what Proverbs means. It means to be like God and to speak like God, to think like God, to act like God. And that's what we're called to be, imitators of God. Amen. Old Testament, New Testament, whatever you look for, that's what it's talking about. And it, and it just goes on to say, to become, that word accomplished, to become, to pass. It's finished. It's part of the Yahweh Jehovah combined. It means uh, I am he who was and I am he who exists. And, and it talks about the timelessness of God as well as his ever presence existence. And listen to this. It is something which must be believed. That which you believe for. And he's saying to believe to be like God. To believe to have a revelation of God. As he is, so are we in this world. There's so much depth in here. Thank God that he is building and maturing a glorious church. A bride without spot and wrinkle. A church after his own image. And that's what it's talking about here. And, and, and it's putting this in here. The desire to be like God in every way is sweet to the soul. Healing to the emotions. You know, the soul speaks of the emotions, the mind, the intellect, the way we think. If I want peace, perfect peace has he whose mind is stayed on him. If I want to walk in that perfect area of perfect peace, perfect joy, uh, walk in the area of authority and anointing and the sweetness of God upon my life, to be a fragrance before the Lord, then the more I'm like him, the more... I become that sweet-smelling sacrifice, that living sacrifice unto God. So I wanted to share that with you. And I want you to look with me in Proverbs 22 as we get into this, that we've been talking about the teacher and the student. And I want to go into a further revelation of where this brought me today. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. How many want to be like God? How many takes the challenge tonight? My desire is to be as He is. Amen? Okay, now look at this. So you, you, so you want to change, right? Verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Now, how many of us as parents have said yes and amen? How many of us, how many of our parents said yes and amen? I can still hear the belt coming out of the loops of my dad's pants. I can still hear it. Oh, they love that scripture. Spare the rod, spoil the child. But what I want you to see here tonight, that this is not only talking about how we raise our children. This is a scripture of God the Father with the rod of reproof correcting the foolishness in us, His children. So we've studied for months about the relationship between the teacher and the student. Now it's turning to the relationship between the father and the child. 
And he says, and, and so look, look at me at another scripture. Look at chapter 29. Let me give you some revelation here. Chapter 9, verse 15. Proverbs in the Hebrew means to be like God. How am I like God? Well, you can write this down too. Proverbs, to be like God according to His rules and His standards. Write that down. Proverbs means to be like God according to His rules. Say His rules and His standards. You remember when you were growing up at home? I mean, there was no compromising with mom and dad. It's their rules. It's their standards. Son, I'm not going to talk it over with you. This is the rule. This is the law. Well, we want to see this mentality here tonight with God. In, uh, in Proverbs 29, verse 15, it says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom. How many know now for four months we've been asking God for wisdom? So what are we reading gives wisdom here? The rod and rebuke gives wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. We shared with you before, mother speaks of wisdom. Now, let me give you a few definitions here. The word rod is amazing. The word rod in the Hebrew speaks of the shepherd's rod. Everyone knows Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He guides us with his rod and his staff. Well, the word rod there speaks of the shepherd's rod. It also is the Hebrew word for the rod of authority. It's also the Hebrew word for the scepter of his kingship. But it's also the definition of the rod of his mouth. His words are the rod, the rod of our great shepherd that wants to lead us and guide us through the valley of the shadow of death, through all the places of the enemy. So the rod there speaks of the shepherd's rod, the rod of his mouth. Now, reproof, if you're taking definitions, writing down uh, the word reproof there means the pleading and the defending. He's pleading. He's defending his case. You take on what he's defending. You will be defended. It means to maintain the right. It means to rebuke. And all this tied in with the scripture we read in Proverbs 13 there is talking about, this is what he's saying, the desire accomplished. This is the translation in some of the scriptures we're going here tonight. If you desire what I desire, then I will give you what you desire. If you totally, wholeheartedly allow yourself to be my child, then I will be your father. And the desire, your heart desires to do what my heart says to do. Therefore, I will in turn do the desires of your heart. So your desire will be accomplished. It will be sweetness because you're pleasing me by doing what I desire you to do. Now, this word reproof here, uh, I want you to see an example of this in Proverbs chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, Job chapter 23. This is real interesting. Job chapter 23. How many remember the word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Well, I want you to see part of the definition here of this word reproof. Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23, verse verse 2. I want to read this in the Living Bible. In Job chapter 23, verse 2. My complaint today is still a bitter one, and I'll try hard not to groan aloud. If only I knew where to find God, I would go into his court. And this is verse 4. Here's the word reproof. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. 
Job is saying, if I knew where to find God, I would go meet with God. I've got my case all laid out. I've got it all set up in my mind. There's a lot of things I like to share, God, and I've got some arguments with God. But how many of you know, just like you wouldn't argue, how many of you would argue with your daddy? Wouldn't argue with your daddy. How many of you wouldn't argue with your mama either? How many know you don't want to argue with God? And it says in verse 5, I would argue, but then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. Would he use his great power to argue with me? No. He would give me a fair hearing. How many wish you had parents like that? How many of you had parents like that? They, they, instead of being so quick to punish, they would go, I'll hear what you have to say, but my way is still right. But I'm not going to force it on you. I'm just going to show you through my word and through who I am. I'm going to convince you as you grow up and you learn to be more mature how my way is the right way. And it says in verse 7, honest people can reason with him, so I would be forever acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he is not there. I go west, and I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, and he is concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's paths. Are you hearing this is wisdom speaking here? Job is connecting to a wisdom here. I'm going to stay on God's paths. Even though I have some arguments, even though I have some questions, even though there's some rebukes and reproofs I'm not happy with, God is behind the scenes doing something in my life. I have followed His ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from His commands, but I have treasured His words more than daily food. But once He has made His decision, who can change His mind? There's that word reproof. You're not going to change God's mind. You're not going to change Father's mind. He has had His mind made up before the foundation of the world. Whatever He wants to do, He does. So He will do to me whatever has planned. And He controls my destiny. No wonder I am so terrified at His presence. When I think of it, terror grips me. Right here is talking about the fear of God and just falling before God and allowing Him to maintain His right in my life. Now, we read there that a child left to himself, aren't you glad God is not going to leave you to Himself, to yourself? Job is talking here that even though I want to go to God and I want to present my case and I may have some arguments about how, th- wait, how the things are going, I know He's got my best and my destiny in mind. And so Job is learning how to handle his will against the confrontation of his father because it says a child left to himself will cause his mother shame. How many of you want to be an honor to the father? We, no matter what, so many times, you know, things may not seem fair. And we may be going through things at work or at home or, or in other areas. But deep down, Lord, I want you to be doing such a work in me because I never want to throw dirt upon your holy name. I never want to be an embarrassment. I don't want to be ashamed. So like Job, I know his way is right. And I know that he has my destiny and the best for me planned. Because if he would just leave me to me and I would just open up my Bible whenever I want to. And I would just go to church whenever I want to. And I'll just sing whenever I feel like it. And I'll just do whatever I feel like. Because after all, you know, this is my life and only have one life to live. And if we walk into the area to where I I just want to do what I want to do do, he says, is that type of child that causes his parents shame? Is that type of child that in the middle of the night, the police call and say, your son's here at the station, or your daughter, or your husband, or your wife? 
And God is saying, I don't want to leave you to yourself. That's why if you allow me to be the rod and the rod of my word to guide and lead you, I'm going to do a work in you. And I'm going to not only going to make you good, I'm going to make you like me. Because if I just leave you, you're going to fall into a place of shame. And I want to show you a few scriptures with that word in Ezra. Ezra, right before the book of Job. Uh, Ezra chapter 9. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Psalms. Job and Psalms. Look at Ezra chapter 9. I want to yield to God, and I know you do too. I know that's why you're here. While you're looking that up, where we're going, and and there's so much here that I, I, I want to share with you, but it's getting to the relationship with the Father and the Son. And the word wisdom, one of the words for wisdom means to pound. It means to pound in. The wisdom that's going to bring us to be like God and the understanding and the knowledge that's going to cause us to walk and be like our Creator, it talks about how that wisdom has to be pounded in. That's, that's where we get the word meditate day and night. That's where we get Joshua chapter 1-7, that you will not turn to the right or the left. You will stay directly and keep the word before you so that your heart will follow after me and that I will be able to do that perfect work in your heart. It talks about the word of God being pounded. Did you ever wish, you've repeated to your kids over and over. How many of you have ever had times where you've repeated things over and over to your children and they still don't get it? And then, you know, you repeat it all over again and you get frustrated. But do you remember that when we were kids, how long did it take us in repeating four plus four is eight? Uh, how long did it take? How many didn't we have? We had that word there means to pound in or to to meditate until we memorize. And so to get to that area of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, there's going to be some pounding in. So because God, he's going to pound it in. And sometimes just read if we left to ourselves, we won't read the word. We won't prayer. We won't stay faithful. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves in a test. All of a sudden, we find ourselves in a situation and we're thinking, God, why did you do this to me? I want to talk to you about this. God is saying, whom the Father loves, He corrects. And I'm trying to work some things in your life because I know that you're going to only have the peace you desire when you're like me in every way. So I'm working in your life. And I want you to see in Ezra 9, verse 5. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting and having torn my garments and my robe, I fell on my knees and I spread out my hands to the Lord, my God. And I said, oh, my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you. Oh, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been very guilty. And for our iniquities, we, our kings, our priests, have been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plunder, to humiliation, as it is this day. And now for a little while, grace. Somebody shout out grace. Grace Grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg. That peg is Jesus in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. How many wants a revival in the middle of your bondage? Isn't it something? They could have had a revival in the wilderness, but they decided to be flesh and complain and murmur instead of have a revival in the presence of Yahweh. But when things got rough, 
It's amazing. Even here in America, when things get rough, the churches start filling up. But when the economy's good, people start going back out. And it says there, there's a revival in our bondage. Verse 9, for we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage. Aren't you thankful for that? But he has extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of God, to rebuild its ruins and to give us a wall in Jude and Jerusalem. And now, oh, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, this land which you are entering to possess as an unclean land with uncleanliness of the peoples of the land, with their abominations, which have filled it from one end to with the other with their impurity. Now, therefore, do not give your daughters and your wives for their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek after their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it as inheritance to your children forever. Well, that's powerful, huh? And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with these people and commit abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you have consumed us so that there would be no remnant or survivor? Verse 15, O Lord God of Israel, You are righteous, for we are left as a remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this or in the condition of our presence pulls us out of your presence. Here it's talking about a child left to himself. I'll marry who I want to marry. I'll do what I want to do. I'll watch what I want to watch. I'll listen to what I want to listen. I'll eat what I want to eat. I'll be with who I want to be with. I'll be free. But yet I know God loves me. But he says, yeah, but then you'll enter into a bondage. But even in there, I'll reach out to you with my mercy and my grace. And in the middle of that bondage, I'll revive you if you seek me and come back to my word once again. Look at Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Verse 59. Ezekiel 16, verse 59. A child left to himself causes shame. But because I love you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back to where you're back in my commandments. How many of you know so many times when things are going good and life is easy? Oh, I'll read the Bible when I have a chance. The Bible's not priority. But how many of you know we've got to make the word priority? Look what it says here in Ezekiel 16.59. This is the Living Bible. Now, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Says, do you, do you realize, do you see there, it didn't say, this is what the Sovereign Lord said. Says, he's still saying it. I will give you what you deserve. For you have taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. But then look at this. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young. And I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember with shame all the evil you have done. I will make your sister Samaria and Sodom to be your daughters, even though they are not part of your covenant. And I will reaffirm my covenant with you. And you will know that I am the Lord. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame. When I forgive you of all that you have done, I, the sovereign of the Lord, have spoken. 
You'll come to me with your heart and you say, Lord, I have sinned before you. I have lived a life according to my own pleasures and my own ways. I find myself in a situation now where I have made a mess of my life. I am hurting. I am dying here, God. But I admit my guilt before you, my shame of all my sins. And then the Lord will speak and say, even in the midst of your shame, I forgive you. And you fall silent before God and say, oh, God. How can I thank you enough for forgiving me and remembering and even reviving me, giving me a revival of my spirit even in the midst of my bondage? That's why wisdom is so important. He says that he will correct us. Look with me in Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus 26, verse 18. Wisdom is to correct us. Thank God I don't want... To ever be left to myself. I don't want to ever get unteachable and yielded or prideful before God and Jesus and by His grace. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 18. Warnings according to His word. And this is the the, the Proverbs about a child uh, being uh, corrected by his father comes out of this. It says, and after all of this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. Well, what am I going through? Brokenness. A broken and a contrite heart. He will not despise and he will not reject. I will punish you seven times more for your sins and I will break the pride of your power and I will make your heavens like iron and earth like bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain and your land shall not yield its produce nor the trees of the land yield her fruit. Then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring you seven times more plagues according to your sins. And I will also, it talks about send the wild beasts that will rob and destroy. And if any of these things, and it says in verse 23, if if by any of these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then also I will walk contrary to you and I will punish you seven times for your sins. And then he goes on and he just speaks over and over and over and over. Verse 27, walking contrary, I will chastise you. Walking contrary, I will correct you. Walking contrary, he is trying to get our attention. Even though, praise God, thank God we are saved by grace and our sins are forgiven, there is still a responsibility according to the law to grow and be like Christ. And Proverbs is calling us out to fall under the, the fear of God, the reverence of God, and respect Him. Now, you can look also Deuteronomy chapter 8. That sounds like you're preaching a lot of Old Testament stuff. It's also New Testament. But I want to show you the foundation here for Proverbs. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. Because He's my Father. And you know what? My, you know, Mark Twain said... My daddy, my daddy was ignorant when I was 17. But when I turned 21, he became the wisest man I ever knew. And it's amazing. You know, you know the word pound? Your kids ever call you a broken record? Your kids ever call you old school? Your kids ever call you all that type of stuff about, oh, you just repeat yourself. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you see, every time you say, even though they're saying, oh, it's always the same thing, or even though they say, you sound like a broken record, you know what you're doing? You're pounding wisdom. You're pounding wisdom. You're pounding wisdom. You're pounding wisdom. Son, I told you, and I will always tell you, where that will take you. 
Oh, yeah, Dad, I know, I know. But son, I'm always going to tell you the same thing. Because wisdom is wisdom. It's what God is trying to tell you, pound you. And you see, we do that with our children, but God wants to do that with us too. You see, we expect our children to walk the line and we love these messages. Yes, preach it, preach it, preach it to my kids that they need the rod of correction. Oh, some of these, I want these parents to hear. Boy, I wish some of these parents would get a revelation. You're supposed to beat your child. You spare the rod, you spoil your child. Oh, let's just have a conference and let's preach to these parents. Yes, because those people over there, they got the worst kids in the church. Their kids run down the hall. Those kids are horrible. Oh, preach it to them, pastor. The spare the rod, spoil the child. And God says, I'm not preaching about your kids. I'm preaching about my relationship with you. You are the spoiled children. America is spoiled children. And you want me to tell you something about this economy thing? You know how they're talking about socialist reform? Taking the money from the rich and spreading the wealth. And everybody's talking about, what are we going to do? What are we going to do if they walk in the socialist, communistic way where you take from the rich and you give to the poor and you spread it out evenly? Let me tell you something. I don't care what the government says. Let me tell you what Proverbs says. The fool will always lose his money. And the wise will gain it back. The government can take away and spread it around. But you'll always have fools who won't be able to keep it. That's why in third world countries, you'll see it's a third world country, inflation over 4,000%. But let me tell you something. You'll still see people walking and you'll still see people driving BMWs. Why? Because some people know how to make it and keep it. And some people don't know how to make it and they don't know how to keep it. So this big plan about taking and spreading around, as long as you walk with Christ... The Word says in 3 John 2 that you will prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And what the Father is teaching here, that if you will heed wisdom, wisdom will always lead you to get back even what others want to take away. You can't keep royal child of the living God down. Wisdom will always find a way to get it back. Hallelujah. Amen. Wisdom will always guide and lead you. Now it says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 5, it says, listen to the heart of this father. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens, chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Wow. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. That's what the Living Bible says. The Lord your God disciplines you. For your own good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't leave me to my ways. I don't want my ways. Because what does it say? He who desire, the desire accomplished or to be like Elohim causes the doors of desire in our lives to be opened. To think like God. To act like God. Proverbs. The Father God is jealous over you. Look with me in Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. You see that capital M? My firstborn. 
So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. There's the heart of a father right there. If God is for you, who can be against you? The enemy's coming against you. Different things are coming against you. But the Lord God is saying, that is my daughter. Yeah, but she's not worth having. That's not for Satan, the accuser, to say. That is not for cancer to say. That is not for addictions to say. That is not for this world to say. You are my children. And my desire for my children is that you may serve me. So whatever would try to hold you down, know that I will come in the midst of your bondage. And in the midst of your bondage, I will cause a revival to arise. And I will ignite you. And I will give you a grace and a mercy. You may be on your face crying out for mercy. You may be on your face saying, I am ashamed, unclean, and undone. And I am not even worthy to mention your name. But there's going to be a hand always come on your shoulder and say, even in your shame, you cannot, you may not be able to say a word, but just let me say everything over you that even though you've messed up to the mess up of the mess up, you are still my son. And the devil doesn't have a word in about my child. It's not his job to punish you. It's not his job to touch you. It's not his job to accuse you. It's not his job to kill you. It is my job to teach you and guard you and bring you to my way that you you are my child you are my child you are my child and the devil in the world system is not going to take you away and out of my hand glory be to God just look we won't look at this Deuteronomy 131 he says as a father carries his son so I've carried you Remember carrying your babies? You just don't walk with them, holding them by the leg. You don't grab them when they're real babies, just holding them by their arm, by their sockets. You carry them. You protect them. Deuteronomy 32.6. Is he not your father who bought you? You've been redeemed not by the blood of animals. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. Look at me, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. I'll just read from the living. It says, Isaiah 1, 2, it says, Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children, not the slaves, the children, I raised and cared for it, have rebelled against me. Even the ox, the animal knows its owner, and the donkey recognizes its master care. But Israel, or my child, you could say, doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are an evil people. Corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. You are battered from head to feet, covered with bruises, welts, and infected wounds without soothing ointments or bandages. 
Your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned and foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything you see. And then it just goes on and on about being helpless and the Lord. But thank God He goes on to talk about rescuing them and loving them. And it says in verse 27, Zion will be restored by justice. And those who repent, say that with me, those who repent will be revived by righteousness. Will be revived by righteousness. The rebels and sinners will be completely destroyed, but those who desert the Lord will be consumed. You will be ashamed of your idol worship in groves of sacred oaks. You will blush because you have worshipped these idols. You will be like the great tree withered leaves, like a garden without water. The strongest among you will disappear like straw. Evil deeds will spark and the sets on fire. They and their evil works will burn up together and no one will be able to put out the fire. That's why God is speaking wisdom today. And that's why he's calling out today. You say, why does God do that? We're, we're looking here at the word correct. Look with me. Hebrews. Hebrews. New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. 5 through 11. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? The exhortation that speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. He doesn't scourge every son to scourge them. Everyone he receives to make them better. Look at verse 7. Listen, church. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for in a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be poor takers of his holiness. There's wisdom. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained. 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 Pounded. Pounded. I won't get in it tonight. But all over Paul's writings, he says, it may sound foolish that I'm reminding you once again of this. Peter, it may sound foolish that I am going over and over. James, it may sound foolish that I am going over and over. I don't have time tonight, but I'm going to show you in the book of Proverbs what seems to be rep- repetitiveness, broken record, broken record. So many times people come to church and they can say, you know, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Well, guess what? That's awesome because that's how you get it. 
I'd rather the pounding in of wisdom and the pounding in of revelation and the pounding in of knowledge and the pounding in of understanding instead of the chastening of being left to myself and doing things my way. Do you see where the Word of God here is with wisdom? A desire accomplished to be like Christ. And Paul says, I... I must, I live to put you in remembrance. Wisdom is saying, I'm your father. I live to put my son and my daughter in remembrance that I love you. I cherish you. I care for you. I love you. I have the best in plan for you. But it goes my way. Whom the son, whom the father loves, he chastens. Look at with me, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 11. Look what it says. How does it start out there? Say it out loud. Do you believe He loves you? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest His correction. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as a father, the son in whom He delights. Verse 13, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. It goes on to say pleasantness and peace. Pleasantness and peace. Now, we have studied about the comp- desire accomplished. And we studied that a son left to himself causes his mother shamed. And we've studied a little bit tonight about the, the necessity of whom the father loves. He corrects. That same word we read in Proverbs and that word we've been reading for the last few minutes about correction and chastisement. is the same word it reads about in Isaiah chapter 53 that the chastisement, the punishment... The correction for our sins was laid upon him. He received the punishment for hell and death. That we could accept the mercy, the peace, and the salvation of God. That we don't have to live a life chastised and punished because of our sins. But Jesus was punished for us. So that we could be sons and daughters of the Most High God to walk in the Spirit. And see the fruit of the Spirit yielded in our lives. There's times where we have to be corrected. And it's not man's job to correct you. It's not man's job to correct you. Because only he who is of perfect love can correct you. Because He knows where you are. He knows where your heart is. And He knows how to judge you. Because Jesus said, neither do I judge you. But He who judges you because His judgment will be right. He knows your heart. He knows the circumstances of your situation. I was sharing with a person just today. And they were talking about smoking. You know, so many times we can tell. And I was sharing with them. And I gave them a bottle of natural vitamins for nerves. We can preach against smoking. We can say you're going to hell if you can smoke. You're not going to hell if you smoke. You're just going to have to go to hell to smoke. Then when you get through, you go back to heaven. Same thing if you dip. 
You can dip in heaven, but you've got to go spit in hell, so it's just best to get rid of it now. But I said, my brother, I know you've got problems in the area of your nerves. I can just see you by your hands and you knowing things and hearing things. I said, I'm just not asking you to give me your cigarettes. I want to give you a bottle of nerve pills. They're not pharmaceutical. They're natural. But I just don't want to take away without giving you an answer. And when God deals with us, He doesn't want to just take away without replacing it with the answer. Because as a father loves his son, I just don't throw my boys across the bed and beat them because they did something wrong. I make sure they understand why they're going to be beat. Then after I beat them, I hug them. And I said, you know daddy loves you. And they know daddy may whip them because they're all getting so big now, they whip me. But you know daddy can whip you, but you know daddy loves you. Because a father chastises the son whom he loves. So when the father deals with us, when the father deals with me, you know he's not even angry with me. He's hurt. He has my best in mind. But he's just not saying, I'm going to take this out of you. No, he slowly, sometimes it's a progress. Slowly fill you with part of me and take away that part of flesh. There's an exchange. To think Jesus took my beating, his back. What they did to his back. That's how ugly chastisement is. And he took our beating. 39 stripes. With that cat of nine tails with the lead and the glass and the stone on the end. And they beat him till it was unrecognizable. Because God says, through him, I'll have other sons and daughters that I can love and I can make them like him through the chastisement he received. And so, once again, to be like Christ. You and I, in areas that we've messed up, and have you ever been corrected through circumstances and by God? So that we can share with others, look, I've already, let me, let me tell you, I've already been whipped by what I did. I've already been punished by what I did because I didn't do it God's way. But he loved me enough to use that to bring me back to him. And when I saw him, I came running. So now I want to tell you my testimony. That God saved me and God took me and God cleansed me and God blessed me. And God told me, son, I'm not mad at you. Son, I love you. And I say, Father, use whatever you have to use to keep me close to you. And Proverbs chapter 29, 17, and that's all I'll be able to give you tonight. Proverbs 29, 17. So many people, you know what people are looking for? They're looking for peace and they're looking for rest. Well, look where it comes. We read verse 15. The rod and rebuke will give wisdom and a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Now look at verse 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Who's the son? We are the sons and daughters. 
receive correction from God. And you will have rest and you will have peace for your souls. You will walk in an inner peace and you will live in an inner rest, a divine rest relationship with God. Because I've accepted the correction of the word today. I've accepted the word where it says, forgive those who despitefully use you. Yes, Lord. Give to those who have asked of you. Yes, Lord. Love and pray and bless your enemies. Yes, Lord. Receive the correction of the Lord. The correction of his word. Where do I need to line up? And I will have rest and peace in my soul. Amen. Let's stand, please.